First Chronicles 28, verse 9. I hope you're ready. I really hope you're ready. <laughs> As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intent of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this word, Lord which has just become so meaningful to me. It's just become part of my DNA, Lord. I thank you for that. I want it to become part of the spiritual DNA of every man, woman, and child in this room. And I pray, Father, Lord, that I would not be a hindrance to what you want to do today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. I'm going to fix my clock here. So, 1 Chronicles 28 is the story of King David. He is the guy, if you remember, who killed Goliath. And he became king of Israel. He was the first good king of Israel. He was the king that was established by God as the beginning of the messianic line, meaning his descendant was none other than Jesus Christ. One of the names of Jesus Christ is son of David. And so David became king. He's called in the Bible a man after God's own heart. For a very brief time at the end of David's life, his son Solomon and him were kings at the same time. And before he died, he gave Solomon a charge, some words, like he's on his deathbed. And he's giving his final words, essentially, um, to his son Solomon. I don't believe he's on a bed in, in here in this chapter, but he's basically telling him, listen, if you want to succeed, this is what you do, Solomon. And he tells him, let's read it again. He says, as for you, my son Solomon, and he tells him three things. The first thing is, know the God of your father. That's number one, if you're taking notes. And I hope you are. That's the first thing. Know the God of your father, number one. Number two, serve him with a loyal heart. And with a willing mind, for the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intents of the, of the thoughts. So number two, serve him. So number one, know him, know the Lord. Number two, serve the Lord. And then he says, if you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. So the third thing is seek him. Number one, David tells his son Solomon, know God, get to know him, get to know about him. 
Number two, serve him. Serve God. That's what life's about, serving God. But number three, he says, seek God. Now, Solomon, many of you know the story about Solomon. Uh, He was incredibly wise. When he became king, God told him, uh, listen, whatever you want, ask and I will give it to you. And so what did he ask for? He asked for wisdom. And because he asked for wisdom, he said, okay, you could have asked for riches or power. Um, I'll give you riches and power, but I'm also going to give you the wisdom that you asked for. And so he was an incredibly wise man. He was very wise, Solomon was. It says earlier on in 1 Chronicles, it actually uses this line, God loved Solomon. It's the only time in the Bible that I know of that it mentions a particular individual, God loves blank. You don't see God loves Adam. You don't see God loves Abraham. You don't see God loves David. God loves Moses. You don't see those things. You don't see God loves the Apostle Paul. God loves the Apostle Peter. Now, we know that God loves everything because God is defined by who he is. And one of the things that um, the Bible says is God is love. So God cannot help but love. It's his character. He loves every one of you in this room. He loves you passionately. (laughs) He loves you intensely. But for whatever reason, there's only one person in the Bible. It says God loves blanks. Solomon. That's the only one. In addition, it says Solomon loved God. So God loved Solomon and Solomon loved God. Now, uh, most of you know that in Solomon's, many of you know rather, that, that in Solomon's reign, Israel became fabulously wealthy. It says that silver was like dirt. In the, in the reign of Solomon, because there was just so much dough. Do they still say that word? Money, gold. There was so much gold, silver was like dirt, and uh, he became exceedingly powerful. But many of you also know that he had a terrible ending. <laughs> he... Uh, uh, he he multiplied wives. Even though the Bible said to kings, specifically in the law of Moses, it says don't multiply wives, and I interpret that more than one. (laughs) Multiple is more than one. He, He said, well, you know, I'm like super wise. I'm a very wise man, and uh, so I'll be able to figure this out how to have many wives. That's many stupid saying that. <laughs> uh, uh, but, but that's what he said. And, um, and so eventually it says that Solomon, uh, his wives turned his heart against the Lord. And, of, and by the end of his life, he's sacrificing his own children. His own children he's sacrificing to other gods. This man of whom it is said, Solomon loves God and God loves Solomon. What happened? What happened to Solomon? 
The answer is this, and this is what this sermon is about. Solomon knew all about God. Verse 9. First thing, David, his, his daddy told him, three things I'm going to tell you. First thing, get to know God. Get to know everything about God. Solomon wrote entire books of the Bible. <laughs> he knew everything there was to know about God. He probably knew more about uh, most of the Old Testament, not all of the Old Testament was written at the time of Solomon, but than anyone in this room because his mind was completely uh, anointed by God that he was just brilliant. So he knew God, number one. He served God. Just by being king, that man served God. And it was a theocracy, meaning uh, when you're the king, you're not only the political leader, you're the religious leader of the whole country. So he served God. Everything he did, he did to serve God. But the thing that Solomon stopped doing somewhere along the way, and some of you have stopped doing this, you know God, you've served God, but you've done, you've done the Solomon thing. He stopped seeking God. He stopped seeking God, and when you stop seeking God, I mean, it's like a freight train it's going to crash. It's just a matter of time. A freight train without its brakes. It's just a matter of time. There's going to be a crash. He knew God. He served God, but he stopped seeking God. And I mean, to this day, you, 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 you hear Solomon's, Solomon's name, and, it, and it's a tragedy, um, is what happened with Solomon. Now, uh, I want to back away a little and just share a little bit about eight or nine years ago. So I've been, I've been walking with God. I, 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 was, um, I began walking with the Lord uh, after I, just like Amanda was talking about, I, started, I had a guy pestering me to no end, nagging me to read the Bible. I got into the book of John, and, and all of a sudden it just, just exploded, and I've been walking with the Lord ever since I was 24. But I would say... Um, about 10 years ago, about 20 years into my faith and to my walk with God, I began to look around and there were people that I had known for all 20 years of my life. I had got to know them. Um, they were Christians when I did. They loved God. They read the Bible. They had been reading the Bible for 20 years like me. And, um, but something really confused me. They were the same people that they had been when I knew them 20 years ago, in the sense they still had the same temper, they were st still as angry as they had been 20 years ago, they were still as anxious as they were 20 years ago. Some of them still gossiped like they did 20 years ago. And this really confused me. And I would say this includes out in the mission field because our church is very involved with missions. And so you meet people all over the world and, and you're talking, you're, you're around people 20 years in the Lord and they know all about the Bible and it's like, what's up with this? You know, they got an anger problem or they just complain about people. But the Bible says that we're supposed to shine like stars in the midst of a twisted generation and it says the way we do that is not complaining. 
You want to be a bad rep for, uh, of, of who God is, just complain. Go to work and just complain. <laughs> but they, they, after 20 years, and, and, and this really confused me because there, here's people who I knew loved the Lord, just like Solomon. I, they knew the Bible, just like Solomon, and, 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 and it was a, little, a mini crisis in my own faith because there's a, there are many promises in the Bible that you can lay hold of Calvary Chapel where you are, you are um, assured that you will be transformed into the likeness of Christ, meaning you will continue to grow until you die. Romans 8, 29, among many other ones, the God, uh, it says that God, those who God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ, that Jesus would be the first among many brethren. Translation, you, grow, you, you have the privilege of growing and growing for the rest of your life. You had that privilege. And I just questioned, uh, I, I became, got a mini crisis because these people who I know, we're talking about missionaries, we're talking about pastors, pastors' wives, we're talking about people who I'd been with, and, and they hadn't changed. They had gotten rid of fornication, they had gotten rid of drugs, they had gotten rid of cussing, cursing, whatever you want to call it. They got rid of those kind of sins. But the sins that Jesus says are weightier matters, like pride and anger, they were just as proud and angry as they had been for 20 years. And, 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 and I would, I, it, I, this is really confusing to me. It's about 10 years ago. And what happened to me was I, I really began saying, God, this makes no sense. I would say for almost a period of five years, I'm going through this little turmoil like, God, if the promises of God are not true, and by the way, I should say, there were things in my life that hadn't changed. I'm not pointing fingers at everybody. There's things in my life that hadn't changed. It was just really confusing. Like, why is this still here? And, 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 and the reason it was a crisis for me, because my whole life is about teaching the word of God. And if there's even one word in this book, even one that's not true, it's not worth following at all. <laughs> it's not worth teaching. Because if there's one verse that's not true, well, then... How do I know another verse is not true? And, and, and so um, this was very confusing to me. And it's like, Lord, uh, Philippians 1.6 says, he who began a good work in you will continue it to the day of Jesus Christ, meaning we all have that privilege of growing. But Lord, so but what's going on with, with the people who love God, who are, who are the same angry gossips they were 20 years ago when there's ugly stuff in my life too? And so what happened was uh, two things. God, uh, the Lord, the, the, the leadership of the church, the elders of the church, were, we were in this retreat, and we, we, we read this little purple book. I call it my purple book. And it's a, it's a, it was a biography of an obscure guy. No one even knows who this Very few people know who this guy is. His name is Andrew Bonner. And I noticed he, it was a pastor. He lived in Scotland, and uh, God used him greatly, but he was not a man that people know about. But through it, we read his diary, um, and we read his diary, and the first 10 pages is like, why am I reading this? The guy, you know, the, why am I reading this guy's diary? But, but I, we, I persevered because 
I finished because I'm like, I told all the guys we would read this. I guess I got to read it. But it turned into this phenomenal book of this guy growing and being transformed into the image of Christ. And he was just crazy transparent about his sin and about his pride and about all the guck in his heart. Um, but um, one thing I noticed about the book, and I started circling it, every time it says the guy prayed, I circled. And I was like circling three circles a page. <laughs> At the same time, I happened to be in the book of Acts, chapter, Acts chapter 6, verse 4, um, which uh, in, in Acts chapter 6, there was... Um, a controversy, try, stay with me now, I need, your, I need your, your grace here. There was a controversy, there was a fight is a better way of saying it because uh, certain widows in the early Christian church weren't being taken care of and they said they favor the, 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 the Christians who are Jewish not, and the Christians who are Greek are, are, are um, not getting the proper uh, treatment, they're not getting the food, and so what happened is that they appointed godly men filled with faith in the Holy Spirit, um, including uh, Stephen, who's my namesake, and Philip, and a few other guys, and they uh, they took care of them. But then there's this this verse where the leaders, the apostles, say, "As for us, this is Acts six four. If you're taking notes, write that verse down. Acts." Acts 6, 4, as for us, we will be given over to prayer and the ministry of the word. And I knew about that verse really well, but I looked at it, and I was also considering my purple book. And all of a sudden, something, my eyes opened up, and I'm like, I'm really unbalanced in my life. I do Bible study after Bible study after Bible study after Bible study after every Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, go on and on and on and on and Bible study. And, and, and I knew all about, I'm like a Bible study machine. But I prayed, I would say, not a tiny amount, but relative to how much I was in the word, little. And then I realized, I looked around and, and I realized I, I had become part of a culture in the evangelical world that's all about the Bible to the neglect of prayer. When Acts 6-4 and the rest of the Bible is really clear, it actually mentions prayer first. <laughs> As for us, we will be given over to prayer and the ministry of the word of God. And then something went click inside of me. And I recognized how absurd it was that I was being like I was because um, God made you for himself to love him. God made you to love him. And how can you love him and be loved by him unless you're talking to him? The Bible was written so you can talk to God about intelligently. Jesus said, um, I, the Father is searching for people to worship him in spirit and in truth. How can you worship God? How can you pray to God? Um, um, rather, if you don't know the Bible, but if all you do is know the Bible, you're not doing the very thing God created for, which is to 
pray to him, to talk with him, to seek him. To seek him. And I tell you, I can't tell you how important, or I can tell you how, I can't describe, I can't overemphasize how important this is. I realized that there were many in my life around the world who were doing the same thing as Solomon. They were getting to know all about God, they were serving God, but they weren't seeking God. And I can't tell you the carnage out there of uh, just... Just this last week, I, I, I'm talking with a very dear friend, the pastor. He's in the middle of getting a divorce. I love this guy. The guy's been out there for 20 years ministering. He's getting a divorce. I wish that was the only divorce of a pastor I was telling you about. These are just godly men married to godly women. What happened? I know what happened to this guy. He stopped seeking God. His wife stopped seeking God. I can tell you that without any reservation. I know it. But examples abound. I was just talking with another pastor who was telling me that um, his wife, I asked him how his ministry was doing, and he said, well, I'm doing great, the ministry is doing great, but my, my, my wife, she's, she's done. And I said, well, what do you mean? She's been betrayed by so many people She's done. She's done with people. Let me tell you, when you say that, whether you're a pastor's wife, a pastor, or anybody, anybody in the body of Christ, by the way, everyone's equal. You're all a shepherd. You're all a pastor in your own, your own right. But anyone who gets to the point where they say, I'm done with people, I don't trust people anymore, the clock's ticking before a Solomon-type thing happens to you. What happened to that woman? And I, 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 could, I could literally talk for the next two hours about uh, people like this woman who, who I know. She knew God. She knew all about the Bible. She served God. She, she's serving her, uh, she was serving with her whole life. She stopped seeking God. She stopped seeking God. So I want to talk about what this even means. What does it mean to seek God? What does that mean? Turn, with, turn, to, um, turn a little to the, uh, to the right to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. That's just a little bit to the right, chapter 7, verse 14. This is a very familiar verse. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. You got, many of you are familiar with this verse. This is God speaking. He says, if my people who are called by my name, that means a Christian, a follower of Christ, is a person called by my name. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, I want you to notice something. 
Notice there how it, it first says, if my people will humble themselves. And then it says pray, and then it says seek. Praying and seeking are not necessarily the same thing. Now try to follow me here. All seeking is praying, but not all praying is seeking. Say what? Just let me explain. Praying, so when you pray, you, can, you, you pray for your friend who's sick. You pray that you would get a job because you just got laid off. You pray for revival in Boston. You pray for uh, a, a, a friend's mother who uh, was in a car accident. That's praying, but it's not seeking. Now I'm going to talk about seeking. Seeking is a form of talking to God, therefore it's praying. Praying is just talking to God. But seeking is all, prayer is not necessarily seeking, but all seeking is prayer. So, so let, let's talk a little bit about what it means to seek God. What do I even mean by that? What does it mean to seek God? I mean, this is pretty important, right? I mean, Solomon, he, he knew God, he knew about God, he served God, but he stopped seeking God, and the next thing you know, he's burning his own kids. I think we should know what seeking God means. So seeking God, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, if you're taking notes, write this first down. It's Colossians 3, 1, 2. It says this, Colossians 3, 1, 2 is talking to Christians. He's talking to you, and it says this. If you have been raised with Christ, seek those things that are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Let me repeat that. If you've been raised with Christ, seek those things that are above. Seek those things that are above. What's above? What is above? Someone shout it out. Christ is reigning in heaven. God is in heaven. Now, God is also inside of you, but the problem is when we're living on this level, on the ground, uh, there's so much stuff, there's so many worries, there's so much fear, there's so much craziness. It's saying, seek those things that are above. The next verse um, says, Set your mind on things above and not on things of this earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. So seeking things above is seeking God, the presence of God. So the first thing you could say that seeking, what does it mean to seek God? It's seeking the presence of God. What do I mean by that? You're feeling God. And what do I mean by that? You're filled with joy. The Bible says that God in heaven right now is filled exceedingly abundant with joy. Anyone remember the parable of the talents? The parable of the talents, the guy who was given 10 talents, he goes out, he trades, he, I think he makes twice as many, I don't remember, and, and he goes um, to his master, and, and, and it's a parable, it's a parable of being um, accepted, received in the heaven, and what is he told? He's told, well done, go, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. When you seek God, you're seeking that joy. 
Jesus in John chapter 15, verse 11, write that verse down, says this, I've told you all these things, John 15, 11, he says, so that you'll have my joy and that your joy may be complete. Jesus is filled with joy. God is filled with joy. When you're seeking God, you're seeking the joy of God. What else is in heaven? Love. God is love. Jonathan Edwards says the language of heaven is twofold, love and joy. We have a, 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 a dear brother who passed away uh, last week. Uh, some of his family members are right here. We're all rejoicing because he was, uh, it, it was Greg, Pastor Greg's dad. He was, he was saved. He's a Christian. He's with God now. There's only one thing he's experienced. Love, uh, two things rather, love and joy. It's the language of heaven. So we're celebrating Greg Sr.'s uh, life at this point. You can pray for the family, but they're celebrating So what does it mean to seek God? Okay. One way of talking about it is when you, when you seek him. Well, you seek him when uh, you're not loving someone. You've been stabbed in the back by someone who loves you. And all you can think of in your mind, there's no, there's no joy in your mind, there's no love. All you can think of in your mind is replaying in your mind why they're wrong and you're right. Anyone there this morning? Why they're wrong and you're right. Why they're wrong, you're, why, why he's wrong and I'm, I'm right. Why she's wrong and I'm right. Why he's wrong and, and, and you're replaying it over and over in your mind. There's no love there and there's no joy there. What do you do? The Bible says you seek God. What does that sound like? Don't turn with me, but write down Psalm 55. This is what it sounds like when you've been backstabbed. When your husband has, has cheated on you, when your wife has cheated on you, or your close friend just, just shocks you. by turning their back on you and trashing you. What do you do? You seek God. Psalm 55 says this. It, it, this, is David, this is David, the guy who was after God's own heart. That's what Solomon should have asked for, not for wisdom. I want to be like my dad who, who was a man after God's own heart. That's what he should have asked for. But listen to Psalm 55. Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me in answering my thoughts trouble me and I'm distraught. If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe, an enemy were rising up against me, I could hide. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship. God, my joy is gone. Please show me your joy. Show me your love. What I do, what happened to me ten or nine, ten years ago when I realized that my life was lops, lopsided, I was all about the word and only a little bit about prayer, I just started making an appointment with the Lord. 
every day, Monday through Friday, I try to get up for a couple hours. It's been extended now to seven days. I miss a couple days a week, but I'm addicted to it now because I got issues. I, I mean, I, 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 I am the guy in Psalm uh, 55 and the other Psalms where, where, where things happen and, and like my joy is gone, my peace is gone. It's like, and, and, and so Psalm 13, another Psalm to write down, uh, verse one of Psalm 13 says this, um, this is like a classic, uh, Psalm 13. This is, again, who is this crying out? The man after God's own heart. David, he says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart every day? So what's he doing there? Someone shout out. What is he doing? He's seeking God. Why? He doesn't, he's not sensing the presence of God. He thinks God's hiding. He's seeking God. That's what he's doing. Another great psalm. Psalm 94, write it down, verse 19. Don't have to go there, but Psalm 94, uh, verse 19 uh, says this, uh, wonderful psalm. It says, when my anxiety is great within me, your comfort brings joy to my soul. And what that's talking about there is if you're not in comfort, you're freaking out. Uh, there's another uh, translation is the NIV and the New King James, which says, in the multitude of my anxieties, you bring delight to my soul. Listen, do you know, does anyone here know what it's like to describe their soul as being filled with a multitude of anxieties? Is, is there anyone in here? Well, that's me, I tell you. And that's why I just gotta seek God. I have to. And I'm like, God, Psalm 94 says, in the multitude of my anxieties, you restore my soul. I'm not restored. There's no comfort. And, 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 and usually the prayer sounds something like this. This is important. Lord, you know, what's, you know what I'm freaking out about. You know the anxieties. You know what I'm replaying over and over in my life. And Lord, it came from your hand because you're in control. It, 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 it came from you. It, 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 the, the Bible teaches that God is sovereign. He knows what he's doing. Before any trial gets to you, before that person backstabbed you, before that um, situation uh, came into your life that's ca causing you, you just to be uh, crushed by anxiety, it went right through God. And guess what? God was saying, Steve needs that because he needs to learn how to seek me, how to respond to me, and how to find his joy in me and not every other conceivable thing that this world offers, which is just empty trash. And, 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 and so uh, seeking God. Many of you have heard, uh, oh man, that's not the time. You're kidding me. I'm, uh, is, that, is that unanimous? <laughs> Someone's, Pastor Scott, if he was here, oh man, he would not be happy. Um, but anyway, he's in Texas. I hope he's not listening. But, but um, uh, Jeremiah 29, 13, you, you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. 
And, and that's a promise. What did David tell his son Solomon? What did David say? He said, he said, know me, serve me, and if you seek me, you will find me. It's a promise. I was just, I was just so blessed this week when a brother told me that he, 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 he was going to bed and he was filled with anxiety and he just sat on, he was on his knees for an hour and a half until what came? Peace came. Peace descended over him. And, and that, that is a promise and it's true for everyone. So here you have it. There's an example in the Bible, which is an example like no other of what it means to seek the Lord. Turn with me to Matthew 15. Turn with me to Matthew 15. We'll also be in the book of, of Mark where there's a parallel account. And, and by the way, just so you know, there are days when you seek God when you're filled with happiness. Psalm 8 says, oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the, all the earth. Uh, when I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars in and, and, and which you have ordained, what am I that you've been mindful of me? That's seeking God in the sense you're trying to get a hold of God and thank him. You're, you're looking for the presence of the Lord. So I, I'm not talking just about this thing where our life's a wreck. That's the only time you seek God. No, you seek God always. There's no caveat. David didn't say to his son Solomon, know God, serve God, and then, you know, when your life gets messed up, seek God. That's not what he said. Let me tell you, if Solomon had sought the Lord like the Bible tells him to do repeatedly, the book of Deuteronomy, it's clear that he would, Solomon w was supposed to seek the Lord. He would have been whacked on the head by God before he started multiplying those wives who turned his heart against the Lord. Solomon was a godly man. As a result, he was a sexy man, and it was his downfall. So um, um, in Matthew chapter 15, Best example, I think, in the Bible of what it means to seek God. Now, some of you have heard, some of some of you have heard me. Uh, some of you have heard me talk about this, and um, you know, I hope you'll be blessed just hearing it again. But uh, so, so Matthew fifteen. Now, put your finger there and go to Mark seven. So we're gonna. It's the same story in two different. Um, it's the same story in two different uh, in, t in, t in two different books. Okay, so this is a story about Jesus. The multitudes were all over um, him. He was exhausted. What did Jesus do when he was exhausted and, and, and devoured by the multitudes? What did he do? Someone just shouted out, "You better get this right." He prayed, but really, he what? He sought God, he seek God, he sought the power of God. Yes, he prayed, remember, all seeking his prayer, and all praying and seeking, but he would, he would pray. But the other thing Jesus did, he actually ran away, not from the will of God, but he lived like a man. Remember, he's totally God, but he's also man, meaning he's exhausted. I shouldn't say he ran away, but he left Israel, and he went above Israel to the region of Tyre and Sidon to a place where he thought no one would know him because he needed rest. So, that's, so go now in Mark 7 with me to verse 24. It says this, 
From there, he, Jesus, arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. So that's outside. So he literally has to leave because he's just being so used that he, he's exhausted. It says, he entered a house and wanted no one to know it. Write that down. There was a time where Jesus, as a man, didn't want, to know, want anyone to know where he was. He was exhausted. It says that, um, but he could not be hidden. Anyone want to guess why he could not be hidden? Take one guess. Why, why, why could he not be hidden? Why? What? What? Shine? Oh. He, because he, sh- he was shining? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Uh, so, so, so he was the light of the world because yeah. of his life. He, light, he couldn't be hidden. Anyone else? People were seeking him, not people, one woman. <laughs> a woman was seeking him. Look at the next verse, beautiful verse. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him. He's trying to hide. He's trying to hide. And this woman was seeking him so intently, he couldn't be hidden. Um, It it, it says there, um, she came and fell at his feet, verse 25. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician woman by birth, meaning she was not a Jew. She was not a Jew. And it says that she kept asking him, underline that, she kept asking him over and over again. She did not stop. She's, she's, she's really seeking him here. Um, she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's br- bread and throw it to the dog. Say what? Now, now go back to Mark chapter 7, where we find out, uh, Matthew chapter 15 rather, where we find out some other verses. Some other things about what's going on here. And, and, and I will wrap it up. I'm, I'm, we're drawing to a close here. But in, in, in verse 21, it says, Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came to him. And it says, She cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. And then it says what? He answered her, not a word. Wow. And then it says, his disciples came and urged him, saying, send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, again, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I was only sent to Jews. You're not a Jew. He's, and he's not even talking to her, by the way. What on earth is going on? I, so consider what is going on here. So this is what seeking is. You want to know what seeking is? It's this woman. <laughs> Number one, Jesus tried to be hidden. Didn't work. She, she broke through, and, and, and she found him. Remember what it said? Remember what David said to Solomon? If you seek him, you will find him. 
the next thing that happens is that um, in, in Mark chapter 7, it, it says that, uh, or rather, rather bad, in Matthew 15, it says that he didn't even answer her. Now, now if, if you're seeking God for the joy of God, for the peace of God, for the presence of God, by the way, also the wisdom of God, God, I have no clue, would you give me your wisdom, please? But if you're seeking God and you hear not a word, it says, in Matthew, it says, not only was he hidden, when she got in, he didn't even answer her. But what does it say that she did? It says back in Matthew, Matthew um, chapter 7, it says, he kept, she kept asking. It says she didn't stop asking him. Verse 26 of Mark 7. So seeking, you're just, you're busting forward. You're, you're spending enough time to, to, to get that joy, to get that peace, to get that answer. She, she kept going. What happens next? 12 men, burly men. These guys were Fishermen, have you, have you been to the docks recently up in Gloucester and taken a look at a couple fishermen? These guys are serious dudes. And they're saying, Jesus, would you get rid of her? Would you go? Can you imagine the insecurity that she had when everyone's asking her to go out of the room? I think I would be out of there if that happened to me. But what happens? What happens? It says, it, the Bible says that um, she keeps, Mark 7, she kept asking. She kept seeking. But then we read, we read this. It says, Jesus finally speaks up and he says, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. I was only sent to the Jews. And what does she say at that point? Next verse. It says, she came and worshiped him and said, Lord, help me! You laugh. There's going to be a day when you're not laughing, man. Woman, there's going to be a day when you're not laughing. She said, Lord, help me! Because, because um, there was something in her that needed, needed the Lord so bad, she persevered with it. She persevered with the Lord. The, 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 the question for you, if you don't have joy, you don't have peace, what kind of God, there's no, what kind of God is going to leave me in this place with all my anxiety? Are you crying out to the Lord? Are you going to the Lord? God help me! How many of you have been in that place? The rest of you will be someday. The Bible says, it says, know God, get to know who you're crying out to, his character, because if you don't know his character, you're not going to be seeking him because you don't know that he loves you and you don't know he cares about you. You got to serve him. You got to serve the Lord. We have ministry positions in this church. There's a sign-up sheet out in the back. Serving the Lord is important. But let me tell you, you stop seeking God. You stop seeking God. You're done within a year or two. You're done. I've been doing this for now 30 years. An assistant pastor or, or, or a senior pastor, some 25, 30 years. I've just seen it all before. 
And, 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 and it's a tragedy. Let me tell you, uh, if that pastor's wife says she's done with people because she's had too many friends, she doesn't trust them anymore, so she's done with people. Let me tell you, if she's seeking the God, if she's saying, Lord, Lord, how can I have another thing? You know what the Lord would tell her? 1 Corinthians 13 says this, says love trusts at all times. That no matter how many times you've been backstabbed, you love God the way he loves you, and God trusts you. He trusts you with the Bible. He trusts you with salvation. He trusts you. Know God, serve God, and seek God. So it ends here in Matthew chapter 15, and this is just so moving to me. It says, it says in verse 27, it said, he, he says in verse 26, I, I, I only help the Jews, is what he says. By the way, there's an explanation to that. Jesus came first to the Jews, and then he sent, when he, after his resurrection, he sends everyone to the Gentiles. She doesn't know this, but the, so he answers, I was only sent to the Jews. Um, and then in verse 27, she says, yes, Lord. Well, actually, what, she sa- what he says to her, it, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to, to the little dogs. It's like, whoa, Jesus is saying that? He's calling this woman a dog? And what does she say? Well, I'm not a dog. No, that's not sh- what she says. She says, I am a dog. She says, and she said, yes, Lord. Yes, even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. In other words, I know I'm a dog. I know I come a from an unclean people. I know I'm a sinful woman. I know what guys I've slept with. I know the abortion I had. I know the kind of person I am. I'm a dog, but have mercy on me. You are God. You are, you, you are the son of God. You were sent to the world to save people like me. And what does he say? I, I just love this. He says, Jesus answered and said to her, O oh woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire, and her daughter was healed from that very hour. So, you know, I, 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 why is this such a passion to me? Because I'm tired of seeing people fall off the wayside, fall off the walk, fall off the road. I'm just sick and tired of it. The Bible actually says there's a, there's, that when that happens to us, there's only one person to blame. It's you or me or whoever is not just continuing to seek. He loves you. And by the way, he's not doing this because he's a sadomasochist, like he's torturing us. He's doing it because we have hard hearts, and he wants us to get out of our hard shell. He wants us to come out of the cave. And sometimes he just he, he, he brings deliberately into our, health, our lives circumstances to bring us out so that we can be loved by him, so that we can love him, so that we can live what we have been born for, which is to love the Lord. I'm just going to ask the, 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 the worship team to come up at this time. We're not going to have a time of, um, uh, to, to, to pray, but I, I want you to, um, I just want you to, to stand at this time. Uh, we're going to, we're going to, close with a worship song. If you have a child, by the way, in nursery or Sunday school, can one parent go get them? You can come back if you'd like, but I want to give the Sunday school teachers um, a break here.
Hmm. Actually, I changed my mind. If you've been asked to pray, can you come up? Can you come up at this time if you've been asked to play? Vlad, can you come up? Sarah, are you with a child? Okay. <laughs> Who else can come up? Luis, can you come up to pray? Christina, can you come up? Dan? Tolu, can you come up? Can you come up to pray? Gio, can you come up? Osagi, can you come up to pray? If, if, if something is stirred in your heart <laughs> during this time, if anything is stirred in your heart and you would like to, um, you'd like to have someone just put their hand on you, maybe, maybe you'd like to come out of your shell. And maybe you're in that place of lack of joy, lack of peace. Maybe you have never in your life opened up your heart and given your heart to Jesus Christ. The Bible does say that we're all born separated from God. Actually, Jesus describes us as dead in our relationship to God, and we must be born a second time. And that happens when we invite him into our heart. We recognize that he lived on our behalf a perfect life, that he died on the cross so that we wouldn't have to pay the penalty for our sin, he died on the cross, and then after, on the third day, he rose from the dead. So, if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, come on, come on, come on up. And otherwise, if anything has stirred your heart, if you want to, maybe you want to initiate a time of seeking God. And by the way, I'm not suggesting you you guys all go out two hours a day, but but going out an hour a week, doing something that's manageable for you where it's not just praying about your circumstances, but really putting your anxieties before the Lord, putting your betrayals before the Lord. Just, I, I, would, I, I would actually, I would suggest at least twice a week for about an hour, just, just, just opening up your heart to God. He says, God, I, I, I'm so, I feel so betrayed here. Or, or Lord, I'm so overwhelmed with this job. Or, Lord, I'm so overwhelmed with this person. I'm, I'm, and, and just learning how to seek God. If anyone wants to, prayer on just learning how to seek God. Come on up and have someone pray for you. Kevin, you can get up here. You can, why don't you get right there? Father, I just pray that you bless the worship time in Jesus' name.